Welcome to Adult Learning Lounge. My name is Arpita Mishra and in this podcast I talk about the need for continuous learning for adults and the challenges that come with it. In this episode I have with me Laura Vanderpool. Laura has been a learning and development professional for over 15 years. Her expertise especially lies in learning design and consulting. Laura is also a dear friend of mine. So welcome Laura and thank you so much for joining me today in this uh, debut episode of my podcast. Thank you for having so, me. Thank you. Laura, one thing I missed in your introduction is that I genuinely believe that um you are passionate about this world of learning and development. You love your job and most importantly, you have had such a positive you know influence on me. Um So I thought this is a tremendous opportunity that uh, we both sit together and discuss uh, this theme for today's episode. And by the way, the theme is um, like you know we are going through this time of um, a very aggressive change and this um, uh, you know there is the sudden change in the landscape of learning and development. And before I deep dive and ask you uh, my first question, I would love to give you. some context about why i thought of this podcast um and the reason is uh because i have been observing that this rapid change and which is only accelerating every day uh you know with the, like you say be it the chat gpt thing which has absolutely changed the way we work or you know how we all are being uh, required to upskill constantly in our in our jobs so if you if you like think about it when our parents worked like they had a degree or they acquired necessary skill to do a particular job and they worked and retired and if you compare that to us we are constantly being required to upskill and uh, change and what we knew before has changed now and um, that's how we are operating so and i can't think like what the next generation will go through and if you think about this employers now everybody is talking about making the workforce change ready we have to be change ready because with covid covid is just a good example how something can change overnight and anything and everything that we do have to change and we have to come up with new strategies you know new ways of working being be, be that remote working or blended learning and whatsoever so my first question to you is um if i ask you how how are you observing this change and do you think like you know how there is this thing survival of the fittest i am now calling it survival of continuing continuous learning mindset that yes. that's what that was that is maybe that's the future i don't know i, I mean what's your observation and how are you seeing this change happening No, absolutely. I think there's a lot of factors that have gone into what you referenced, you know, from our our parents generation of, you know, getting your degree, getting a job, working at the same company for 40 years and then retiring. I think it's a lot to do with technology, uh that rapid changes in technology and and how the world works and even how we're able to, you know, the world's become smaller in a sense with how we're able to connect and communicate with people around the world. um yeah the phrase a continuous learning or lifelong learning it's it's the reality now and i know it makes some people feel a bit uncomfortable 
Um, you know, people like to know what they like to know, or some people like to know what they like to know, like to get very good at it, and then just keep doing it over and over. And the prospect of, you know, change can be scary. But I think if we, we can sort of help people in, in the work that we do as a learning and development professionals, help people shift into that continuous learning, lifelong learning mindset, where it's less scary to think about yeah. having to learn new skills and new knowledge. And it's more exciting. It's more, what else can I do? What, what, what else can I learn? How can I, you know, better serve customers or how can I, you know, increase efficiencies or, you know, make things better for the clients that we serve. Right. So there's, there's a lot that's exciting about it. And if we can make it easier. And I think that's why I am passionate about learning development. If we can make those transitions easier and you can see that people can be empowered by learning new skills and new knowledge to make a difference, then it makes it a lot, it makes it more exciting and it makes it easier for sure. Yeah, that is so true. So one of the buzzwords I'm hearing a lot lately is learning in the flow of work. And Mm-hmm. What that means is like uh, there's a shift where we don't ask people to come into the classroom or we don't ha- you know, ask them to complete these uh, big training modules or whatnot. Uh, this is this is, of course, separate to the compliance course or let's say or the product knowledge, whatever they have to do. But apart from that, in the upskilling domain we are like if i'm i'm uh, i want them to be good in dynamic selling or let's say uh you know closing in a sale or maybe uh, something else in in human resource uh, domain then learning in the flow of work is becoming more and more um kind of needed uh so if that's the case i i don't know how much you uh, you have heard about this term but i i am in my job also i'm now doing a couple of interesting things to design learning in the flow of work but what does that change for our designers like we work with instruction designers and uh we we changed like we transitioned from creating those heavy courses to rise 360 and then yeah. you know from storyline to rapid e-learning authoring tools and then now if we are talking about let's create uh you know micro learning or other learning offering where people will be learning in the flow of work so then that requires change of competency for the designers too right like what Absolutely. are you what do you think yeah, it's definitely a challenge for us. And I think uh, it kind of speaks to what you were saying earlier about just the rapid pace of change. So companies, organizations these days don't have time to stop everything, everyone, what you're doing, take you out of your flow of work and actually sit down and do training for this many hours or this many days or this many weeks. Um, because if companies do that, then you fall behind because things are just changing so quickly. And so that's one part of it. I think the other part too is the benefit as we know as learning professionals of how we can integrate learning into work. And so people have the opportunity to to learn new knowledge, a new skill and be able to apply it right away and possibly get feedback on it and then try it again. And so there's the benefit to having it in the flow of work, but you do point out a great point about how can learning and development teams adapt to this this need to move so quickly? Because as we know, and as a lot of the partners we work with know, it takes yeah. longer than you think to build learning. Exactly. So, so what can we do? I think that, you know, leveraging technology and you could see, like, you, as you mentioned, the evolution that Articulate went through from a product like Storyline to a product like Rise, 
which was branded as a rapid development tool. So it's much faster now to be able to build an e-learning module, for example, than it was previously. So if they can, I think those e-learning authoring tools, video tools, those pieces, I think make it easy for us to be able to, you know, create, maintain going forward that we're able to move at the speed the business requires because we want to make sure that everything that we produce has, you know, sound instructional design. Like it actually, you know, we have objectives, we have practice, we have ways to show that learners have accomplished what we set out for them to do, but we don't want to sacrifice that. So if we can speed up the technology that we use um, and still make it, you know, engaging, we still get our metrics from it. I think that'll help in helping us move at the pace these businesses need us to go. Yeah. And, uh, one interesting thing that I would like to add, like uh, at my work, I was thinking like, what does what does this even mean learning in the flow of work? So what can I do? So is it a mm. podcast? Maybe yes, the podcast they can like, you know, they can uh, listen to it while they're traveling to work or if they are walking a dog or, you know, waiting for a, for, for a customer meeting and then they can just listen to a podcast. But then what else? And that's when um, I think last week I was reading something where there was a, this expert lady and she was talking about um, meet your learners slash audience where they are. Like, yes. who, where are your audience, what they are doing that um, they are working a lot with Gen Z and the Gen mm -hmm. Z are on Snapchat and TikTok. So they have actually taken the enterprise account of those and created something similar. And they are creating these um, TikTok reels and Snapchat, where which has become really famous with their audience because yeah. uh, they are creating this micro learning. Like if you just... Uh, you know, like, you know how the Instagram reels work, you're scrolling, empty scrolling up, up, up. And then that's what they are doing. Mm -hmm. And this is a new thing. And I was, I was quite um, amused and amazed. Yeah. With, uh, <laughs> okay. So, I mean, I'm not saying uh, that's not learning. Many people are spending so much of time and sometimes you may not like it, but that's the reality. You don't like it. That's fine. But that's the reality. People are spending time and they're consuming content online uh, through these reels or through this TikTok and Snapchat, what, whatever that is, then how do we take something like that and leverage in the learning and development industry? And they are already doing it. And that yeah. that kind of uh, inspired me and also amazed me a little bit. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's great because I always have thought that, uh, you know, in, as learning development professionals, like looking to trends in what people do in terms of consuming entertainment or, you know, connecting socially is a great way to influence how we deliver our learning. So like whether it's, you know, when YouTube videos are really popular or blogs or social media, or social learning became part of that, right? So I think there is value in that for sure, because, you know, I think you spoke to it too, that ability for a learner to, you know, listen to a podcast in the car on the way to work or on the train, or to be able to pop up a quick video, if, you know, before a client call, for example, just so they remember how to do this task. Um, we want to adapt to the reality of our learner's situation, that they don't have time to drive to an office and sit in the classroom for eight hours and listen to something. And often we have to ask ourselves, like, what is the benefit of doing that, even when it is necessary? And what value can we gain from, you know, like you say, micro learning or these quick videos? Um, you know, do they make a connection to the learner that they otherwise wouldn't have in a different modality? Um, what can we teach them in those little short snippets? I think 
something we do have to be cautious of in these types of trends is that not everything can fit into those molds and not yeah. everything we teach can fit into a quick, you know, 30 second TikTok yeah. video. Right. But there is value. So how can we leverage that, get that interest, that buy in, that attention, and then be able to, you know, take it to the next step. Okay. So what else do they need to support them in doing whatever task we're asking them? Um, but it's something yeah, as, as learning professionals, I think we really need to be aware of all of these types of trends of how learners want to engage outside of learning, outside of work, because that'll help us influence and help us get to a place where they actually are excited about learning and excited to engage that way. And I, I love what you said about we have to leverage this technology and add to what we are already doing because and I'm I'm saying that because um, for this uh, podcast and my YouTube channel I was I was creating something like uh, the basic how do adults learn or how do how do humans learn in the first place and you know what uh, one of the key things from my finding and I'm sure you also know it like things that are unused or uh, we consider is not useful to us because we are not using it every day like you know it gets wiped away from the mind yeah. and if i create something like let's say i create it created a 35 minutes course or a 20 minutes course or let's say a 15 minutes course and i'm introducing uh, a new knowledge to my learner and then they take it for the first time uh, in in the in the longer format and then there is a need to leverage these micro learnings to keep reinforcing what you have uh, taught them in the longer format so like every day something is going did you know like saying doing just these three things can give you x result out of your y product and like you're chunking and taking that stuff from that longer format and creating that in your very interesting high impact short format and pushing that to your learner so that your mind start their mind start to accept those as useful things and retain things and on that note i wanted to ask you like as L&D professionals, and I'm asking also this with another observation that all these podcasts around L&D that I have listened to and I continue to listen to, they are great, but they majorly focus on the L&D professionals themselves. Like what are we doing? How are we designing? And what is the new technology and all of that? But for the ground reality, there is less discussion how a learner feels or what is the reality of a learner? Like if uh, let's say I am a learner, I have a five year old and a eight years old and I have a very demanding job and I have a dog, I have other life problems. Yep. I'm, I'm not saying we should be considering that or maybe we should be. I don't know. Like how how do you feel about this? That how much importance we should be giving that we are we are designing learning for someone whose personal life might look like this and how what importance do i give to my design or my entire strategy to fit things in into that kind of learner's world <laughs> oh yeah that's a, and that's a really interesting it's a challenge we have because our our learner audiences can be so diverse you know we could have people different ages genders locations you know technology levels of comfort yeah. so I think what's something that's very important um, is part of a needs analysis, uh, and especially when you're coming into a new job or a new industry, is really doing an in-depth learner analysis. You're like, who is my audience? Because things that I may have tried in a previous role at a previous company where I had, you know, 
fairly younger audience who are very tech savvy, who are always on their phones or computers, may not work in another role where you have, you know, your learner actually is not really often on a computer. They're working in a factory or out in the job. Like, so they may not have the same access or comfort level with technology. And that's just one example. Technology is just one example. But there's also like prevailing attitudes about learning. And, you know, so that impacts too of your approach. So no matter how innovative or cool or fun your videos are, if it's not accessible to your learners in the sense that it's not something they're comfortable with or used to, it's going to fall flat. So you really have to design to where your audience is at. They have to, you know, a responsibility in terms of a learner to meet you halfway to say like, you know, I know you're not totally comfortable being in a, working in groups in a classroom environment, but for this learning, for this activity, you need to come together. We need to practice. But there is something to be said about, you know, when you're thinking about what's the newest and coolest thing in learning and development, you can say, okay, this is amazing. This is great. But if it doesn't work for your audience, then it's not yeah. going to meet your, your objectives. Yeah. So there's something I, I used to refer to um, whenever uh, teams I worked with, we'd get a new tool or a new technology. So it'd be a video tool or an e-learning authoring tool or something cool. We had something called like a kitchen sink mentality. Like I'm going to use every single feature of this tool and throw it all together. And I'm going to create a video about this. And it's going to be so cool. We're going to have all these different animations and all this music. And it's like, well, what are we actually trying to accomplish? Like what, what are our objectives for this learning? What are the learner needs? Like we have to go back to basics kind of before we start integrating all of these, you know, considering modalities, considering all of these pieces, because that's, if it's not going to work for the learners, uh, they're not going to do it no matter how cool or fun we think yeah, it is. Yeah. So it's something to think about before you know you dive head first into those things. And Laura, you said something so correct because th- I actually experienced this two days ago that, oh. uh, my, you know, you know, at a workplace where, you know, there is something cool that has been posted. It's a podcast. And now I know, oh, I can access that podcast on my phone on the go. Amazing. I want to do that. And I know the end product is really cool. The podcast is really good. But I had, I had to download an app. And then, you know, because of the compliance thing, because how locked things are, I have to like did my, do my single sign on and then I have I had to authenticate and I spent five minutes just figuring out how to access that cool thing. And I had already lost interest. And like, if I have to do it, like every single time I have to listen to a podcast, um, no, that's fine. Uh, I'll do it later. Like, you know, right. (laughs) Absolutely. Right. That's, that's where that's like, you know, we hold interest for only a certain amount of time. And if it's too difficult or too onerous to try to access, people are going to be gone. But I think that's actually a challenge. It's one of the benefits, but also a challenge that we have today is that we are trying to give more power to learners to learn how they want to learn when they want to learn. You know, we're not restricting them to synchronous learning in a classroom as much anymore. You know, we have access to, you know, here's a podcast, here's some videos, here's some resources, you know, learn on your own time, learn between meetings, learn between calls, learn when you can learn. And that's great. But we have to be conscious of the fact that sometimes learners need a bit more guidance and direction. So it's, you know, we have all the access to all of these great things, but it can feel overwhelming. It's like, I have all of these things and I'm like, I don't know where to start. What do I need personally as a learner that would benefit me at this moment? Um, And I think that's great. I think that we just need maybe to provide a little guidance in terms of like, where do you start? 
if you know you're at this place in your career or this knowledge level here start here and then work your way over or if you know this don't worry about it go here because we try and throw so much at them right like there's so much and it's all great stuff but I think we just need to help them a little more just guide them along the path of where they need to go otherwise we could lose them again like you said yeah yeah uh yeah and and this is probably my last question to you and uh, which is um you know how you know everything like be it be it medicines or these technology there is always an upgrade we are constantly mm-hmm. researching and we are constantly upgrading everything and i have been thinking uh, in in the lnd world like we we know we studied about the adult learning principles we studied about kirkpatrick or addy or whatever that we studied when we did study is yep. there also a need for lnd professionals to constantly keep in touch with the latest not technology but the research areas like if like i have now built this habit that i go to google research there's this google research and i if i type adult learning or evaluation there's a bunch of research papers that come and that's they say this is a study we did recently in terms of how to evaluate performance this is a study we did how how these technologies impact people like i'm not saying we should be heavily be investing in those kind of uh, upskilling but would you say like there is definitely value because that's like how we are also reversioning ourselves so what like uh kirkpatrick what great but what if there is new research data now which is saying something else or which is saying how to even do that even better so i don't see that happening a lot and i feel like we should be doing that like we should be keeping updated with what's the new research data but i would love to know your view oh absolutely yeah i i agree it one example i thought of when you brought that up was that idea of learning styles Yes. So we remember like that whole idea, and I don't know how old it is, but that you're either a visual learner, or an auditory learner, a kinesthetic learner. And I feel like it's been, I don't know, at least 10, maybe more years since that theory has been more or less debunked, you know, through research, through, through modern ideas to say, you know, actually, it's, you know, the way that program tested, it was that you were kind of saying what was your own preference of how you learned, but it wasn't the reality of how people learned. And actually, you aren't limited to a certain a certain visual or auditory way of learning, but it still comes up today. It still comes up where people talk about, and you see it in LinkedIn. I've had discussions with people that say, well, you know, I'm more of a this kind of learner. And I'm like, but don't you know, like, that's not actually a thing anymore, right? So there is like this constant change of like, with, with, you know, people doing research and studies and how, how people learn and our, how our brains work and, and technology is helping us along that way. But I don't know how good we are at keeping in touch with that as learning professionals, like you said. And I don't know if there's, I think what you talked about doing is like, is either keeping in touch through like articles or organizations or Googling to see what's the latest and greatest because a lot of these models, like you said, have been around for 30, yeah. 40, 50 years. So I think it's great to question them to be like, is yeah. this still how we learn? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> because, because we, yeah. we learn more every day about, you know, things we were possibly wrong about. And, you know, so I think that's a great mentality to keep on, on top of that and keep tracking to see, you know, does this still make sense? Or like to your point, is there a better way? Yeah, is there a better way, or what's like what's what does the new research data say? Not that we we have to fully rely on it, but at least keep up, keep ourselves updated on that data. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. All right, so this is amazing, Laura. I I really did want to keep it short. You know how 
to to help people remember what and retain yeah. the information out of this episode but uh, this is great uh, laura thank you thank you for sharing so much of wealth of knowledge that you have and i really hope to talk to you again maybe do another round of discussion with you because i feel like we can just keep going uh, thank you so much oh absolutely thank you for having me i loved it <laughs> thank you